Hello, I'm Fran Scott, and this is How to Build a Railway. Industries are always looking towards new innovations to help them work smarter, safer, and more efficiently. And nowhere has this been more apparent than within the manufacturing sector. Ever since Henry Ford introduced the world to production lines, they've been continuously adapted as innovative new technology is integrated to improve efficiency and reduce waste. However, when it comes to constructing a house, a hospital or even a railway, that process does not take place in a fixed factory. No two building sites are ever the same. And so, understandably, comparable improvements have been slower to implement within the construction industry. But things are changing. And today we will dive into some of the ways HS2 is working to create collaborative innovation partnerships using new technology. This not only enables better and safer ways of working for its staff during construction and ensures the best possible experience for all passengers once the railway is operational, but it will also leave a lasting legacy for the construction and rail industries, one where efficiency is measured not just financially, but also environmentally. Where do great ideas come from? Often when we tell stories of innovation, we may focus on individual inventors. And it's a way of thinking that dates back to the Renaissance and it celebrates that individual genius. But we know that that idea is outdated because more often than not, real innovation doesn't even involve physical new inventions. It can be innovative processes or systems. And that comes from teams working together. And we can see that across the sites on HS2. One of HS2's project partners is implementing techniques that are developed in the manufacturing sector. Techniques that at first glance might not seem that innovative. It's taking what might look on the surface like not a particularly groundbreaking or you know highest level of innovation product but delivering really impactful change by using it in a novel way. This is Charlotte Hills, Senior Innovation Manager at HS2. On this project, she has worked with project partner BBV as they transfer efficiency processes from the manufacturing sector and look at ways to implement them on construction sites. In particular, the project has drawn on the lean approach, which is an approach widely used in manufacturing to deliver a product in the best way possible and one that comes with a whole series of tried and trusted principles and techniques. In this particular project, she was implementing lean techniques on earth-moving operations. So it's part of a lean productivity strategy that BBV were developing, and it's the, it basically was the use of synced cameras that you would deploy on a particular area on site that are sort of time stamped and to the millisecond kind of thing so that you knew that all those cameras were capturing shots at exactly the same point in time. And it allowed them to basically do time and motion studies of, as an example, earthworks. So they would be able to watch on several cameras, so seeing all the different angles of movement of earthworks around the site, and then watch that footage back 
collaboratively with the team actually undertaking those earthwork movements and with the lean and sort of continuous improvement um, productivity manager to identify where there were opportunities to improve the productivity and the efficiency of that process. Lean relies on conducting Kaizen, which is continuous change, interventions and improvements. And in these sessions, a lean manager organises a group of staff members to analyse the process they work on and improve their productivity. Done well, it is a collaborative process where everyone shares ideas and develops the better processes together. But for staff who are not familiar with this process, it can be daunting. The difficulties that they had with that project at the start were people starting to worry that they were being watched. You know, are people being judged? Are they going to be told off for not doing things properly? But the way it was deployed was taking that technology and actually really working collaboratively with the team that were doing the work so that it became a bit like watching the match back afterwards with the team to look at how can we improve it? How can we do it better? And really identifying where those opportunities were. The lean manager on this project working with HS2 was Simon Thorne of BBV. Thorne is now head of innovation and transformation for the joint venture. And he has a good metaphor for the process, as Howard Mitchell, HS2's head of innovation, explains. It's more akin to a sports team being able to watch their performance and and then adapt, or somebody uh, seeing their golf swing back. It's much easier to take on feedback and change your behaviours when you can see them in real time. On this demonstration project, HS2 and its partners had estimated annual savings of £7 million. That's half a million pounds saved every month just on earth movements on one site just by monitoring how a team works together and helping them to spot better ways of working. And that £7 million is just the start. The calculations that we took were taking a very conservative estimate, but he predicted that we, they would easily improve the way that they were moving earthworks by at least 10%. The figures that we've got, as Howard says, are based on the implementation that we know about, but they are now deploying it across the whole contract. So the potential is is much greater than that. Ed McCann is a former president of the Institution of Civil Engineers, or ICE. He and his organisation has worked closely with HS2 as it develops its innovation strategy. The ICE basically does three things. It qualifies members, so it effectively establishes that people are professionally competent to do their job. HS2 and its supply chain is an employer of a lot of those people, so there's an interest there. The ICE plays a key role in sort of the collection, generation, dissemination of best practice uh, in the in the world of infrastructure and so on. And so again, strong connections into uh, the major clients and delivery organisations, literally going back over a century, really. So talking about well, what's the right way to do things? How do we capture best practice? How do we disseminate best practice? And the third thing the IC does is it has a, a key role to play in, if you like, the, the policy space and trying to make sure that the right infrastructure is done in the right way, not just in the UK, but internationally. And clearly, HS2 is a major, you know, very significant program nationally and internationally. And so uh, it, it fits within a, a, a 
political and policy debate about what the nation should be doing and 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 so on so yes he's in all of those different areas it intersects with with major delivery programs like hs2 Ed's role within the ICE has allowed him to see the challenges that the construction and engineering sectors face as they try to foster innovation. It's a project-based industry on the whole. That creates an immediate challenge to how do I get scale benefits and how do I get scale market. If, if, I, if I literally am selling my idea at a project delivery level into 10,000, you know, a million pound projects or something you know that's hugely problematic i haven't got two or three people that i can go to get that sale done get that certain line to market done it's just very fragmented and it's focused on projects and a lot of the benefits are at the project level so if you go and see a major constructor and say here's my innovation i say, well i'm sorry i'm a corporate hack the work is done by the project teams go and speak to them and they'll sit there and say well i'm doing this project it's lasting six months when will you be ready for me i said well um sorry we need a year to implement this in your or prove it and get it going and you run into all of those sorts of um, problems of fragmentation um, project focus rather than process focus uh, to say nothing of the fact that the the people it's not clear who buys the the thing that you might be selling it's surprisingly difficult to find um, the person who would be interested in and buy and buy by what you've got and very often new tech providers turn up to say buy this thing not understanding that that actually wipes out the business model of the person they're trying to sell something to and so a lot of the productivity enhancing technologies are absolutely business model disruptive and don't be surprised when people are sitting there saying, well, I'm not sure I really want to buy something that means that we won't have uh, work in a year's time so it's a complex environment. The role of the client, the big buyer of, of the ultimate service is really critical in this then and because of, because of the, the sort of um, fragmented nature of what lies beneath. It's the challenge for clients like HS2 to master that complexity. Innovation may be the key to any business's growth or any project's success, but it's not enough to just come up with ideas. So innovation is part of business. It's something that we do. It's part of the DNA of our organization. However, lots of people have lots of ideas and how you prioritize and choose those ideas to deliver the maximum benefit to the program is the art of innovation. As a publicly funded organisation, HS2 must demonstrate value in all its spending decisions. And that might be financial value, so helping to keep costs to a minimum. Or it might be a public good, something that adds value in another way. But there are some that really stand out for the innovation team. One of the ways innovations developed at HS2 add value is by reducing carbon emissions and other environmental harms. And we'll be looking at more of these in a later episode called Keeping It Clean. Charlotte has been working with HS2's head of civil structures to examine how bridge designers can use a tool called Altair. And this is an AI tool which can generate ideas for bridge designs. It considers thousands of permutations of design according to parameters like the volume of steel or concrete needed. And in an hour, it can produce a mass of new ideas, which would normally take days or weeks to develop. 
a design iteration that normally would have taken two weeks for bridge designers. It can be done using AI technology in under an hour and it just puts all the different parameters in. So you can look at, whereas before bridge designers wouldn't have had time to think, well, what if we just had three spans? You know, you just think, well, we don't have time to look at the sort of outlier design um, options. You just go for the things that you know are going to work. And this is allowing them to look at really different solutions using different sets of parameters it's allowing us to challenge the designs that the designers come up with. So with the tool, you can actually say, okay, what is the most optimal outcome given all the engineering sort of you know, rules of play? And we want to optimize it for carbon or we want to optimize it for the least amount of steel that we would use or whatever. And you can just put, play with all these different parameters to see what the options are, but in you know vastly faster time than can be done manually. Another public good that HS2 considers when investing in innovation is safety. And we'll be looking at ways that the railway is helping to keep its workers and everyone coming into contact with the railway healthy and safe in a later episode. But one way that workers are being kept safe on site is by making use of an off-the-shelf headset known as HoloLens. Howard explains how the surprising use of virtual and augmented reality can be implemented to improve safety. The construction environment still continues to be quite a dangerous space because you are moving a lot of very heavy and uh, large items around uh, in, a, in the same space as human beings and it becomes obviously a, a risk. Innovation has certainly uh, provided a huge opportunity for us to better manage the construction environment and um, certainly keep people safe. So in terms of preventing risks and almost role-playing how a series of events has to happen prior to people being put in harm's way in a, a, a realistic environment. We're starting to use augmented and virtual reality spaces for our engineers to work through high-risk activities with large movements, cranes, beam installations and groundworks, for example, prior to them actually stepping out onto the site. We get get the teams together and we've created a virtual reality environment in which they can then blow by blow play that through before they actually step out and then in terms of the broader training in in particularly challenging environments such as tunneling we're using augmented reality and augmented reality is particularly good in the tunnel environment where some of your senses uh, because you're in a large tunnel, are uh, automatically reduced. The augmented reality gives you information about specific egress and ingress points. It can show you where fire safety equipment is, and it overlays that very much in a way that you're starting to see in other technologies and other sectors. The key is to focus not on who has a good idea, but on the challenges that need good ideas. The way that innovation has been done 
on these big programs historically, I would say has been in recent years, it's been about providing an environment for startup technology to come to the surface and have a go and talk about itself and all the rest of it. It's in a sense been vendor led. Um, and it's about sort of you know, seeing the tech and can we use it and, and it's that kind of marketplace. I think what HS2 has done to move it to the next level is added another dimension in which is said, actually, what's the challenge that we're trying to address here? And can we create a demand signal into the technology market to say, actually, we'd like an answer to this problem, please? And I think that's a very important shift. HS2's size and complexity gives it a huge advantage here. It can identify challenges. It can find good ideas that may overcome these challenges. It can try those ideas out on a small scale and then roll them out once they have been proven. It can see the innovation process to completion in a way that smaller, shorter projects just can't. We are client-led and delivery-focused. We set the agenda. But we also focus very much on it becoming business as usual. So we follow that energy innovation journey from a great idea all the way through to it becoming used on a daily basis on site. The HS2 program is quite unique in that it has that opportunity to do that in comparison to other organizations that are either smaller, they don't have the scale of HS2, or shorter, meaning that they may not have the, the longevity to see it to completion. As HS2 works to foster ideas that solve multiple challenges, it can then refine its innovation strategy. This is, this is, I'm going to say, rigorous, sometimes probably ruthless about making sure that the innovation, once it's had a chance to, to see what it is, before it gets serious investment, it gets properly scrutinised. And then there's a lot of effort here into getting it delivered in practice and delivered at scale, which again is something that's really challenging. Sometimes it's easy to even get it working on a, in a bench run, but getting it from there into complex commercial and corporate environments on real life projects going like the clappers at scale. That's, that's a huge challenge. And, and I think something that I think HS2 have, have had a really, really good go at and, and have had a lot of success around. So does innovation spring from the minds of individual creators? Or should we actually look for the roots of innovation more widely across a whole organisation? It's the difference between a, an idea, which you might well have sitting in, sitting in a darkened room, and impact, and you get impact through these sort of innovation processes which require the range of skills beyond ideation. It's about how do I land that and and frankly in programs like this the idea is the is the smallest part of it <laughs> is, that, is that actually getting an idea from you know the, 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 the thought bubble into action on really complex very serious often life critical processes and operations is a major challenge. Whatever you come up with has to be bought by organisations at scale, it has to be robust, and those are the elements that require someone who's more of a custodian of an idea than the originator of the idea. The, the hard yards on getting value out of, of ideas is, is in that process. HS2's nature as a publicly funded organisation drives real attention to detail. Heather Donald is HS2's Senior Innovation Manager. We're commercially focused, so we look for a return on investment, either in terms of cost or carbon. 
for any of our innovation projects and that's really key to us being successful. We drive this highly collaborative approach. So in return for the funding that we've given them, they have a very clear business case and return on investment. But also we structure the team that delivers that innovation. So it's not just the idea um, provider. It's often we then bring an academic institution to the table as part of the project, as well as small businesses and also other people from within the program. We don't put contracts with those small businesses. We work with them to win that work from our supply chain. So you've got blue chip tier one construction companies who like the diligence that HS2 provides in those businesses and subsequently they win contracts. They win the work on their own merit uh, in a standard procurement process, but the fact that they understand that procurement process a lot better and they also understand the market and they've spoken to their clients through our program means that they're much better at selling and so therefore they do win new work. We hold innovation challenge scoping workshops where we get the universities and our corporate supply chain together and in order to ideate around some of HS2's biggest challenges. So we held one of those quite recently and we're getting a big portfolio of work falling out of that. It's about getting people in a room, talking about ideas and then being able to make good matches in terms of where we can specialise in the work. They are quite structured because you, you do need to go through a kind of robust creative thinking process in order to get actually to the, the correct innovation challenges. So we get everyone together and we talk and we walk them through an innovation ideation, it's called. By bringing different teams together, Heather and HS2 can drive innovations that focused first on passengers, not on what engineers or startups are most excited about. Like the lean construction Charlotte described, it does use technology. This uses LiDAR, which is a bit like radar, but using lasers instead. And it's something that's used in autonomous vehicles. And it's not using that innovation in itself, but it's using that innovation as a driver of innovative processes. One project that um, I'm working on at the minute is called the Euston Living Lab and it is about putting passengers and not trains at the heart of HS2. So we're doing some clever stuff in, in terms of technology. So we've borrowed some stuff from the automotive industry. So we're using LiDAR sensors in Euston Station so we're monitoring the forecourt and the concourse and some of the gate lines. And the sensors are really helping us understand how people flow around the station today. And then what we do is we combine that with a layer of um, artificial intel intelligence and analytics in order to get us into a dashboard which gives us information on how people are experiencing Euston Station today in, and that is helping us inform decisions. We are looking through the LiDAR sensors at how people experience the station. So we're looking at their dwell time. We're looking at the routes they're navigating. 
The lab started with a challenge that North London commuters and others at busy city centre stations around the world face every day. Where are the points in the station where we're getting congestion? Where are the points of the station that are underutilised? How do we get people not just standing and looking at screens? How do we get them interacting in the concessions? So the different parts of Euston Station. We want we don't want past customers standing looking at the screens. We want them moving around the station and, and using all of the facility. The lab can take that real-world monitoring and then test the effect of any intervention. We're able to see by if you change something in the station, so you change a sign, what difference does that make for pe- for passenger flow around that station? One thing we think it will be very useful for is also construction phasing. So we know that you are often going to be doing changes to a station whilst there's an ongoing operation in that station. So by understanding what even just a very small change makes to people flow, it'll help you better better phase that construction. The tool has been designed to be accessible to anyone involved in work at that station. It allows real-world data on commuters' movements to be combined with a virtual model of that station. And the tool has been designed to be accessible to anyone involved in work at that station. And this allows the teamwork that is at the heart of real innovation. We are equipping people with, in effect, a dashboard through an easy web interface. And what this dashboard enables people to do is 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 do what if scenarios so they can play around with the variables and see what differences that would make the approach the Houston living lab has developed could have widespread application wherever multiple organizations must work together to improve the safe and efficient flow of people yeah i think we've always thought that it this technology could be very useful for lots of different industries so anywhere where you've got crowds understanding how the crowd flows around is going to be very helpful so sports grounds etc it would be very useful to use there and then also in construction phasing so we could use it to phase the different stages of construction for the Houston station or any other station in the UK. It's about being data-centric, so understanding how people are behaving today by understanding the data. Sharing these innovation successes is at the heart of HS2's strategy. And one thing that we do to offer value is we de-risk in one of our major contracts and then we roll it out across the rest of the programme. And I think that's one of the things that we are doing really differently, is sharing the innovations that are successful right across all of HS2. Companies that would naturally probably be quite competitive. And by driving that culture where they're starting to share and develop that idea, you get a really successful uptake. But because we as a client lead it, we own the right to then scale it thereafter. Previously, that idea may have just sat with one part of a program or one company, we've managed to be able to pull that idea up a level and make it program-wide and then share it with the likes of Network Rail or Highways England. We're open about the return that we're generating for the UK. So we think it's really important to, to to show that innovation is 
is is saving us money you know innovation is great at helping us solve some of the difficult challenges that we have and 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 yes it gives us a return so I think it's really important that we make those numbers and the business case available to others so they can also see what that what it would look like for them. HS2 has developed its approach to startups in a way that has delivered these sorts of measurable results to the British economy. Hundreds of jobs and hundreds of millions of pounds of new private investment. We have an accelerator program as part of the innovation team and to date we've worked with 25 small businesses, startup businesses that which that would normally not really get a foothold in such a complex and uh, large industry. And of those uh, organizations, we continue to track their growth. And um, that's part of the halo benefit of us working with them. So of those 25 businesses, I think they have secured a significant amount of additional follow-on funding from private investors, so venture capitalists, uh, because of the association with the program. And they are growing with that money and hiring people in the UK. I think at the last count, there was around 400 jobs now that exist that didn't exist before the Accelerator program. So it gives an indication that the very large HS2 program is working with the tiniest sort of organizations and the synergy between the two creates growth on one side, but also savings within the program to the taxpayer and then to to our knowledge around 100 million of uh, external venture capital funding has gone into those small businesses the breadth of the hs2 project and its commitment to seeing innovations through has also allowed it to both build connections between universities and connect universities with the private sector. One thing that we've done quite early on is set up some really good frameworks to enable us to work easily with universities around the UK. So on the real innovation side, we work through Ukraine to work with the universities, including University of Birmingham. And on the construction side, through a framework called UCRIC that enables us to work with universities right across the UK. So we're working with Harriet Watt University in Edinburgh, we're working with the University of Southampton, working with the University of Leeds. We're really spreading that knowledge right around the UK because we want universities, no matter where they're based on the, in the country, to be able to work with us. One of the problems that you have with working with different universities is getting work set up and started quickly, whereas these frameworks enable us to access, I think it's about 25 different universities right around the UK because we're all signatories to the framework. So it, it, it enables us to set up feasibility studies with universities within a matter of weeks. So it really is helping us accelerate innovation coming from the universities onto HS2. For Ed McCann, the process itself is its own significant innovation, and it's one that other major projects can now build on. Possibly for the first time, HS2 has come to place innovation as a, an important tool within an overall productivity improvement frame. So if the aim is to be more effective in your projects, it's to be more efficient in your projects, well, how do we do that? And in HS2, you've got the kind of dissemination of best practice 
idea, which is, oh, someone's doing it already over there. That's a great idea. How do we make sure everyone does it like that? Which is about best practice. It's not an innovation process. It's about deploying best practice well. But then you've got this other stream of activity, which is the innovation process, which recognizes that it hasn't been done in this context before. There are um, enhanced risks associated with this change or the application of this technology. And so we need to work very hard to manage those risks down, to develop the implementation strategy, to make sure that the business investment cases make, make sense. And so it's the first time I've seen it in the UK where you have a kind of a, a productivity frame, best practice dissemination and driving that into the organization and this innovation as a separate process line with a different set of skills, different set of processes. Um, and which I think is all about, that's, that's how do we systemize the benefits of the process that is innovation into infrastructure. And it feels like something that on the back of HS2 is feeding into how the infrastructure sector understands the role of innovation as part of an overall productivity improvement approach. Next time on How to Build a Railway. High performance tunnels define how people and things move around. There is huge demand to build subterranean infrastructure faster. A cutting is excavated uh, and then some blinding cast on, on the, the base to form a, a really flat surface. Each precast element is three meters in length. They have reinforcement, they weigh between 16 and 43 tons each and they're constructed in a, a dedicated factory. I think the design of the cabins and this thing that that is very very neat and it's probably taken it beyond anything that's ever been done before. Within the first 200 meters of the drive they had to undercross the M25. So obviously that can't be allowed to deform or settle in it in any way. They've also undercrossed the, the Misborn River in a couple of places with very low cover. What I'm most impressed over is the people, that are, the, all the skilled people we are gathered around the world uh, to be able to execute a project like this. We're between four and 5,000 people employed. Uh, if you include the supply chain. And overall the project is uh, employing uh, 29,000 people. Your host has been me, Fran Scott. Thanks to our guests, Heather Donald, Charlotte Hills, Howard Mitchell and Ed McCann. To learn more about HS2, go to hs2.org.uk or follow us on social media at HS2LTD.